0: I do want to thank everybody again before i forget because you boy you should never forget to thank folks but the good folks at the presbyterian church in lake crystal and the friends of near strand Woods state park for uh letting me speak to them. it was pretty cool being in their company it is a beautiful day today karen i know some weather's coming in but that's pretty much what minnesota is uh, there is some weather coming in uh that's just uh that's just what it is and I wandered outside to see if the yard was still where I left it. <laughs> and one thing, unruly plants are becoming less so. So that's one of the things. Some of the misbehaving plants are kind of calming down. And. I, During the night, I heard calls of both an eastern screech owl and a great horned owl. And the vocalizations likely are serving territorial functions. And I hope the screech owl is vigilant as great horned owls do prey upon other owls. Uh, The visually appealing blue jays don't have much love for owls. And the jay language can be abusive. And as I walked, I heard the jays making sounds I wasn't accustomed to hearing, and it was caused by a mysterious presence. Then a bald eagle flew from a tree. So the blue jays were mobbing the big bird with voices only, no actions. And a little while later, on my walk, walking down the trail here at home, uh, I saw a, a cooper's hawk that had taken a mourning dove. And the blue jays and the chickadees were uh, were not mobbing it. They don't seem to mob them quite so bad when the Cooper's hawk has uh, acquired prey, because I suppose for that time it's not a threat to them because it it has it has lunch. So, but when it flew away, then the blue jays started making some noise at it. Uh, great horned owls eat skunks. There was a skunk dead on the road near my home, uh, but a turkey vulture had its eye on this delicacy. Mushrooms are much in evidence here. Uh, Seeing a fairy ring tickled me and a fairy ring is a ring of mushrooms and fairy rings have fostered much much folklore. Some of it nasty folklore, scary folklore. I don't know why to make kids behave I guess, but the one I like most is that the ring is caused by fairies dancing. Uh, their barn swallows perched on a wire in the yard a couple weeks ago, and they were huddled close together as if tethered by an invisible thread. The young fledglings were trying to replicate their previous positions in the nest. I worry about swallows. The number of birds in the United States and Canada has declined by 29% over the past half century, according to a study recently published in Science. Uh, this alarming news signals a massive reduction in abundance and an impending ecological crisis. Uh, Of the birds lost, 90% belong to 12 bird families, including sparrows, warblers, finches, and swallows. These are common widespread species that play influential roles in food webs. And you might say, well, what is a food web? We, We learned about food chains in school. Uh, Yeah, a food web is just like a really large food chain that expands out further. Uh, And it also, this will interrupt some ecosystem functioning from seed dispersal to pest control, so it behooves us to do all we can to to turn this tide around. Uh, Roger Davis of New Ulm sent me a photo of a monarch chrysalis with a hole in the side. I hmm. was wondering what it was. It's a parasitoid fly that lays its eggs in or near a host, in this case a monarch caterpillar, and the larvae then consumes the host often while it's still alive oh. before it exits a chrysalis through a hole. Yeah, it's a jungle out there. It's cannibal. Uh, Taconid <laughs> flies. Yeah, tachinid flies are a major parasitic predator of monarchs. I've read studies that have said uh, 13% of monarch caterpillars are preyed upon by tachinid flies. And then, uh, oh, there's other people have chimed in and said, oh, that isn't even close. It's much higher than that. But the the study's uh, 13%, so we'll go with that. Uh, Rita Granson of Mason City said there were nine American avocets in a pond in a field near Clear Lake. Uh, Rick Mammel of Albert Lee and I had a wowsy experience early yesterday morning as I stepped out to read our rain gauge. A fabulous double rainbow, totally breathtaking. A few minutes later, it vanished so sadly for me. We've had an abundance of rain over the, the well, boy, to put it mildly, Uh, Trees are changing color big time, and leaves have been falling for several days. Ugh. We still have hummers humming here big time. Our goldfinch guys remain a rich, bright lemon yellow. I am so grateful to see these guys and their colors antics still, but tend to dread the changes ahead as the hummers hum far away for several months ahead and in the intense yellow turns to olive drab. Nuts. But musing on the realities of seeing rooster cardinals contrasted by white snow tends to make me feel much better about the coming months. Harvey Berg of Wasika had nesting Cooper's hawks in his yard this summer. Now he has 17 wild turkeys uh, come under his feeders each day. Tom Bover is a faribow. Tom's a good buddy, and he is... a uh, Oh, boy, avid birder with a capital A and capital B. He said uh, the most warbler species he's seen in one day this year was only seven species, and uh, he said that's just a a sad thing. Uh, Roy Zimmerman saw a black-billed cuckoo, a yellow-billed cuckoo, common gallinule, lark sparrow, all in Nicollet County, and a bank swallow in Sibley County. Nancy Henke saw a veery in Blue Earth County. Chad Hines saw a Purple Martin in Blue Earth County. I'd been leading walks all day at a lovely county park named Whitewoods. We just opened it up and we're going to walk all day, and we pretty much did it. And on my last nature hike of the day, one woman indicated she was tired. And there was a bench nearby, so I suggested we sit and bird from there. I said, you know, 10 minutes should help, I offered. And she smiled and said, I doubt it will. It took me 80 years to get this tired. So we (laughs) sat there and saw saw some great birds. And she was a wonderful, wonderful birder. And just it was fun being in her company. A listener says, I see a bald blue jay at my feeder. What's wrong with it? Well, all birds molt. So they wear out their feathers and they need to put on new ones. They can't go to uh, Walmart and get a new shirt or something. They have to, uh, they have to replace those. So most have a gradual loss and replacement of feathers. And some birds, like Canada geese, they become flightless for a while. Some others, often blue jays and cardinals, experience an abnormal molt that can lead to a bald bird. Now, for years, folks, and uh, me included, have said, well, it could be mites. Well, probably mites, maybe mites. Uh, I have a friend who is a wildlife rehabilitator, and she's rehabilitated a lot of blue jays and cardinals over the years. And she's had bald ones, and she said she could find no mites whatsoever on those birds. So I think that these guys are just experiencing an abnormal molt that can lead to a bald bird. And I see them in my yard every year, and they don't seem to be, I would think if the mites were that bad on them, they would look uh, a lot more stressed than they do. They look just as calm as a bird can look anyway. So I, there's no need to start a hair club for birds or anything. They will uh, they'll grow them back. Uh, another listener asks: Will will a pheasant hen lay eggs in another hen's nest? Yeah, uh, they sure will. Uh, they practice nest parasitism. Uh, pheasant eggs have been found in the nests of gray partridge, blue-winged teal, mallard, wild turkey, northern bobwhite, rough grouse. Greater prairie chicken and other pheasants. So they um they're not real particular where they put those eggs.
1: Are they just lazy? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you no. Know, I I think it's a way uh You know, the more chances they put on there, it's like if you had a roulette wheel and you could buy how many numbers and put some money on every one of the numbers, you got a chance of coming up with a winner. In this way, if they just spread their eggs around, they have a chance of some of their young surviving or enhanced. So I think that's the case. And sometimes they need to lay an egg but they're just not ready to nest yet. So they got to find some place to put this egg until they're ready to get on with nesting. So sometimes they will put their eggs somewhere else. So, hmm. But I think mainly it's just a way to um, survive, for their young to survive. A listener asks, Are coyotes significant predators of pheasants? And I, I hear that a lot, uh, you know, and pheasants forever they you know they're pheasants all the time They preserve habitat and they're concerned about pheasants they they have people who study pheasants full-time and they have said that no single predator gets more blame for pheasant predation than coyotes But lengthy research, I'm underlining that, lengthy research has proven that coyotes focus their foraging on rodents and rabbits. And they don't take pheasants or pheasant nests as frequently as other mammalian predators, such as red fox, striped skunk, feral cat, and raccoon the territorial nature of coyotes can actually result in lower populations of these other more destructive predators. Um, none of the predators, I have to say this, this isn't uh, pheasants forever saying this, but I, I have to say that none of the predators mentioned eat habitat. So the biggest problem with pheasants is habitat and weather. Those are the two things that make it difficult for them. Oh, somebody at a ball game asked, do geese fly at night? Um, Yes. Um, I'd say probably most waterfowl migrations occur at night. They certainly fly during the day, but there's a lot out there flying at night, and migratory movements typically intensify shortly after sunset. They peak in the middle of the night, and waterfowl Powell will also make shorter local movements at night.
1: Are they quieter so, at night, though? If, because, I mean, either it's because I'm sleeping, I don't notice them, or are they, do they not make as much noise?
0: They will still, you know, geese, uh, they cannot be quiet. Oh, okay. uh, they're going to make noise, uh, whether it's uh, Canada geese or snow geese, they're going to make sounds when they're flying. And you'll hear them in the night. I was out doing frog surveys And uh, a pretty good year for frogs. And, oh, I hear Canada geese in the middle of the night. I hear uh, mallards. They're all out there making noises. I don't know what they're up to. I imagine with Canada geese, sometimes there's a... Oh, a raccoon or something out there that gets them all disturbed, and sometimes it's just another family of Canada geese that they've had some dealings with before and they don't like anymore, so they're going to holler at them, say, get out of here, we don't want you here. So there's just always something going on with Canada geese, and most of the things they do, they do not do quietly. Uh, somebody and yeah, boy, you might have got this in a gardening thing too. But this summer, I had a lot of people say, "Why is my oak tree dropping green leaves in the middle of summer?" And- Trees often set more leaves in the spring than they can support during the summer. The two major things probably, that other than disease, of course, but heat or drought stress will cause the tree to lose leaves it cannot support with available soil moisture. I don't know if being really wet, having wet feet, that might cause some leaf drop too, but I'm not going to say that for sure. I was
1: going to ask about oak wilt. Were they worried about that? Because I'm not sure of the symptoms of that either, but that is a concern. In, in our area.
0: Isn't that usually in the crown? Isn't yeah, that that's what I'm not, sure. leaves?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: So this person, uh, the ones I talked to said there were just uh, a few leaves here and there okay. coming down uh, and they were they were fine green leaves and uh, the tree looked healthy but they were just falling and we see some trees do that every year where they just say, man, I hired way too many leaves this year and I need to downsize so then they drop some of those leaves. Uh things to look for and listen for this time of year, owls giving a hoot. They start uh, oh I'm hearing them here in September, but it seems like in October they really get going. Uh ruby throat ruby throated hummingbirds. Uh they're fattening up for migration. Just think of that. These little guys will fly to Louisiana, Florida or Texas. And then they will fly from there on a non-stop flight across the Gulf of Mexico to the Yucatan Peninsula. That's over 500 miles without a single rest area. Some, it's true, might take an overland route through Mexico. Uh, You can never get to them to sit side by side long enough, but the females are larger than the males of hummingbirds. And we're seeing large, twisting flocks of blackbirds of mixed species. It's a joining of various factions and they're just traveling around the countryside. And we see them when the uh, farmers get out in the field and start doing harvesting. That seems to be when I really see these large, large groups of these guys just well, let me, flying around.
1: I wanted to ask you something. I mentioned it earlier on the show that when I was coming home from church this Sunday, I noticed pretty high up in the sky there was, it looked like birds caught in a thermal because it looked like there was just a mass of, of the birds. They were black and I, I didn't know if they were geese or I couldn't tell because they were kind of high and far. Far away, but they were they were like on a thermal, going around on a merry-go-round, way up high. And then some of them would sort of like uh, like be whipped off the merry-go-round, and they would be sucked back in. So it, I felt like they were almost being you know in a vortex or something. What was I seeing?
0: It, I saw some too on uh, on Sunday, and heard from a couple of good friends, Tom Bolvers and Dan Rubel. Tom is from Fairboat and Dan Rubel's from Albert Lee. And they were seeing the same thing I was seeing the broad, broad-winged hawks. Oh, and they get up really high. They and were there are big, yeah. of hawks, oh, and yeah. The other one we'll see way up high, um, moving around. Some will be pelicans, but um, big, big birds.
1: But there were so many. I mean, I've never seen that many hawks. I mean, literally, there were just, you know, hundreds. I swear. So, could they have been hawks? That many of That's, them?
0: It sure sounds like it. Uh, I know wow. Dan Rubel said he saw in uh, going over Albert Lee, he said uh, he counted 150 and then he lost track. He said, it's impossible to count those things. And I said, yeah, I don't. The hawk counters can look at them and say, yeah, there's 300 because they're just used to <laughs> so many hawks in uh, this amount of space. So they can do that. It, and I'm I'm thinking the the group I saw was, I don't know. At least that, maybe a hundred above that, two hundred and fifty. And Tom Bover said his was probably one hundred and fifty to two hundred somewhere in there. So we're seeing kind of the same numbers. But uh, yeah, they're moving. Um, Are they on a thermal? To, I mean,
1: why do they do that weird? It's like they, they're dancing up, going up, and then around, and kind of you know, it just is just a dance almost. But it was really kind of graceful even. It,
0: Yep, and some say it's like a popcorn popper where the popcorn comes out, it goes up and then falls down. And they're going up, they're hitting these thermals, then it's a kettle and around, around they go and they get up and then they kind of drop down maybe a little bit, hit another thermal, and up they go again and just keep moving. And they can make really efficient use of their energy that way. So they uh, can eat so much, and that'll keep them in the air for so long. And it, when they get on these thermals, it really helps. Wow. They can move great distances without having to burn up all their fuel. So it's a a really cool thing. I'm glad you got to see it. It's one of those things I look forward to every every year and this is the bird up at hawk ridge of the raptors that they get more of than any other raptor up there the records when you it's it makes the news where they said a um, hundred thousand birds were seen today up at hawk ridge it's typically because of the great numbers of broadwing hawks and they are headed to uh, northern south america so they have a long journey. I, a guy told me once I, they average my migration was like 4,350 miles or something 4,300 and some miles was the average migration for these guys so they uh, they just they have a long way to go so I I wish them well
1: say Al Um, I have a a, I have a letter I want yeah I did that's what I was just going to say to you I have something from John he wrote a nice letter and he sent me a postcard too wanted me to share it with you so I'm going to do that now he says he saw a hummingbird the day before. He said other news is that one recent day a hawk flew low and kind of close to me. It uh, I looked in the sky and saw it being chased by a bunch of small birds in kind of a close tight group and one or two other birds. And he said he was at his dad's house and he texted in, I saw a half-grown fawn with spots on it. He said, does that mean it's half the adult age? Question mark. And he saw two egrets or herons walking on the street, an adult turkey with some young ones, now about a half adult size. He said he was cutting a tiny tree and vine thing at his dad's and felt like something bit his leg. It was a black slash rusty red caterpillar. And he said, no, I didn't kill it. (laughs) It climbed up my leg inside my pants. I wanted to take a picture of the two Uh big birds walking, but then they found a spot to walk into trees in the open field area. And then he reports he saw a dragonfly inside Walgreens today when I was there. And he says, if your kids like dinosaurs, there are now T-Rex stamps for sale. And he says he saw them at the post office. So he's got a bunch of other things, too. He's sharing, and he's got some jokes I'll have to read you, too. But any comments on any of the things that he saw? You know what that caterpillar could have been?
0: Sure. And we do have a number of caterpillars that will bite. Um, They're just, yeah. Yeah. Um so we don't have oh what is that one uh, it, we don't have it in Minnesota and I'm going I'm going to swing and a miss on the name there's one that's really nasty that you find in some southern areas is a terrible biter the the spots on the fawn they will usually lose those, oh, I'm going to say, three or four months of age. In October, they lose them. So, no, they're they're quite a ways from being half-grown yet. So they'll still hang on to the, those spots because when they're small, it just helps them hide. It's a camouflage for them. So three or four months is a typically... Every year, it seems to me like, boy, they should have got rid of those already. But no, they still have them. I think... I want to say a saddleback caterpillar is the one that is, is a terrible biter or stinger, and they're just uh, nasty. But we do not have them here, so that's a that's a good thing. There's some things we ha- don't have here that uh, you know we're probably all right not having here. Uh, I know a lot of folks. Uh, a friend was telling me, oh, he just detests Minnesota winters, but he said at least there aren't uh, cobras and he, tigers and all these things. So I said, yeah, there's, a, and these saddleback. I'm real sure it's saddleback because they look like they have a saddle. To me, they look like, you know, those uh, kind of blankets they put on race horses mm-hmm. when they bring them out before they run them, whatever those are called. That's what they look like. They have on. And, but we do have some other caterpillars that will bite. I don't know how serious, uh, again, you know, if somebody's allergic to them, they could uh, bite. But we do have stinging, probably stinging more than biting. We do have some stinging caterpillars here because why one do we? We're an equal opportunity state. We'll let them in.
1: <laughs> and, and I want to let and, you know that uh, John also said his sister's doing pretty good lately, which is good. I'm glad to hear that. Good. And cicadas are still buzzing, and then he says, hey, I just saw an adult turkey and two young ones about 200 feet from my place. He says, wow. So, I mean, that's pretty cool to see. So uh, thanks, John, for writing in, and he's got a joke that I want to read to you too because, of course, what would a day without a joke be from from John? And uh, let's see, where is? I think you'll know uh, some of these if you don't. What's a cat's favorite color?
0: Uh, A cat's favorite color. Pause. Mew, Mew, <laughs> Mew Blue?
1: Purple.
0: Purple. <laughs> oh.
1: And gosh. I know you'll know this one. Why did the Scarecrow get an award?
0: You know I know it. Now, see, you've oh. doomed me <laughs> to not knowing it. just like when somebody comes up to you and says, I'll bet you don't remember me, do you? And I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> any chance I had of remembering you just went away when you said that why did it get an award because it was out, um,
1: outstanding in its
0: standing in its field. Feel. yeah
1: okay uh, so thanks john uh, john uh, i appreciate your letters and, and the pictures and things he sends me and uh just want to share them with al and, and our listeners
0: And, um, uh, John, I'm so glad your sister's doing well. And, um, you know, I say it often, everybody's fighting a battle. So it's, uh, I just, we hope everybody does well. We need all the good folks we can uh, to have around. So it's good being good company. Um, A fella's building a birdhouse with his uh, two grandsons. Oh, boy, that would be a... I don't know. I, I built bat houses with 110 kids once. Oh. And uh, with hammers and nails and everything, you know. It, it, you become a nervous fella after that. And I have grandsons, and, you know, building bird houses with two of them, I think, would be stressful after a while. But he said, we're going to put them up uh, next spring, and I was wondering, what, is there a certain direction the bird houses should face? I, you know, in general, now this doesn't apply to all birds, but in general, I would say, if possible, the entrance hole should face east or southeast, probably, oh. for the best results. I think most birds, again, most, they like facing into that early morning sun. They're just uh, like humans. We like walking outside and feeling that sun early in the morning and just saying, man, I am ready to go now. So I would think that would be the, the best time. And, and how cool of you to do that with your grandkids, because... You know, we look back and we remember those things. Yeah, even if we might think it was kind of dorky at the time, we say, boy, remember when we built those houses with Grandpa? That was pretty cool. And he hit his hit his thumb with a hammer after he was telling us what a great carpenter he was or something like that. So I think that's really a wonderful, wonderful thing you're doing. And the kids will appreciate it, even if they're and maybe they don't always say it right off. I hope that everybody will come to the cafe today where the food chain is missing a few links The special as always the Heimlich Maneuver and Gravy considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet, well hardly any. Uh, fall cover- colors are evident now and that's how mother nature signals a lane change. I've been practicing scraping my car's windshields, so I'll be ready for winter. And I've been searching for my mismatched gloves in the hopes of finding them by March. I needed to stop at a couple of your finer stores to pick up a couple of things. You know how that goes. We always need a couple of things. But I had a goal. You know, it's important to have a goal each day. And typically, some kind person eyes my meager about-to-be purchases and says, that's all you have well go ahead of me my goal was to look at someone with a full shopping cart and say that's all you have you should go ahead of me I tried a few times nobody was willing to cut ahead of me in line they declined politely they laughed one made that little circular motion to the side of her head and so People are nice. I know people say Minnesota nice is overrated. I think Minnesota nice is just the best thing ever. Remember, folks, Heartland is while we're driving past. Uh, Thanks for listening. Thank you, Karen, as always, for your exquisite company. Do something wild today, folks. Get out there and look at a bird.
1: Hey, before you go, I did see an email pop up on the text machine here. And it is from Dave in Fairmont. He says, I went to Hawk Ridge this weekend. It was foggy most of the day, but he still saw some hawks. He says, thanks for the information on your program.
0: Oh, well, Dave, how nice you made it up there. It's a marvelous place. Everybody should go up there, and there's so many things to do in in Duluth. And one of these years, I'm going to go to the Congdon Mansion up there. I've driven by it so many times, and everybody tells me I should go, and I never have But uh, Dave, one year I went up there, I I led a bus, we went up there, it was so cold, it poured rain all day, we saw three raptors, three the whole day. (laughs) And it was fun, even though we got soaked and everything. So it's just fun to see all those birds, and sometimes you get lucky and hit it, where there's just uh, way more birds than anyone could count. So great to hear from you.
1: Hey, thanks Al, we appreciate you, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Karen. Yep, bye-bye. Bye. And thanks to our, our folks for uh, either sending postcards, letters, or texting in. We appreciate you and, and hearing from you. And I-